0: Well, hello, everyone. Thank you again for joining us to Wednesday in the Word. Wednesday in the Word, grateful for your presence. We started today at 6 a.m. with our prayer call, and um, now we're at 12 noon, and then we'll be um, Wednesday again at 7, at 7 p.m. So we start at 6, 12, and 7, because this is Wednesday in the word. I want to jump right into our lesson um, that I might be able to give you as much information as I possibly can. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we've been looking um, biblically at this subject matter, this idea around debt, D-E-B-T, around debt. And I want to specifically. Um, title this particular lesson, Till Debt Do Us Part, is what I want to call it, Till Debt Do Us Part. Now, I want you to open your Bibles for a moment at Habakkuk, at Habakkuk chapter 2, Habakkuk chapter 2. I promise you, Habakkuk is in the Bible. It is um, located in the Old Testament, spelled H-A-B-A-K-K-U-K, and it's pronounced Habakkuk. Um, I tell people often that if you use the table of contents, um, the less you have to use it. So let's go ahead and use the table of contents and not try to act like we know where Habakkuk is and, um, find that Habakkuk chapter two verses six through seven is where I want you to focus your attention. And when you get there to Habakkuk chapter two verses six and seven, this is what you will see it'll say, woe to him who stores up what is not his. How long can it last? He loads himself down with debts. Shall not your creditors rise suddenly? Shall they not make you tremble awake? You will become their spoil. Now, I do want you to note when you look at that particular passage of verse, that, that particular passage um, in Habakkuk, Um, There are five dangers that we see just outlined right there in that verse. If you look at the verse, the first thing you're going to see is that what? It can't last. The verse says, how long can it last? In other words, you cannot continue to put debt on your plate and it not catch up with you. So how long can it last? Number two, it becomes an emotional burden. Right there in Habakkuk two verse six, he says, he loads himself down with debt. That's an emotional burden. He loads himself down with debt. Watch the third thing, That, that verse, those two verses say, number three, creditors start bombarding you. Creditors start bombarding you. The verse says, shall not creditors rise suddenly? The fourth thing you see in the verses is this, it causes anxiety. When you see that pastor where it says, shall they not make you tremble awake? Can't even go to sleep. And then number five, it says it very candidly, you'll become their spoil. Now that's Habakkuk chapter two, verses six through seven. Do me a favor, shift over now. I want you to go to Proverbs 22 verse seven. Again, I'm establishing this whole idea that debt is dangerous. I want you to understand debt is dangerous. I did not say debt is a sin, but what I did say to you all is that debt is dangerous. Watch Proverbs 22, if you will, verse 7. Here's what it says, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. When we become trapped by debt, we lose our freedom. Now, I want to pause here for just a moment because I need to say that again. When we become trapped by debt, we lose our freedom. So let's establish the fact that there is danger to debt. Let's establish this on the front end of the lesson. There is danger to debt. The biblical principles about borrowing and debt haven't changed even if the currency by which we borrow has. Credit cards have become our new form of currency. We have a financial system that's built on credit. And the only way to build credit is through debt. You can't build credit without debt. And debt helps to establish one's credit worthiness, which is why we have to be mindful of God's instructions regarding debt. Now, it's important for you to know this. Credit cards by themselves can neither do good nor bad but the way you choose to use your credit card determines its positive or negative impact. There are dangers to credit, which is our new debt, by the way. There is danger to credit. Credit vouchers in some form, in some form, have been in existence since 1800s, early 1800s, but in a private kind of limited capacity. Plastic credit cards, as we know them, have only been in use since the 1960s. In 1946, there was a banker by the name of John Biggins, B-I-G-G-I-N-S, who invented what's called a bank card, and he called it Charge It, Charge It, Um, C-H-A-R-G, It, Charge It. It was only used through, through through his local bank, But then in 1950, Diners Club introduced a card that became the first credit card with worldwide acceptance. And from that time on, other banks and lending institutions joined the bandwagon of those who were eager to lend money with interest by way of credit cards. I'm talking about everybody and their mama has a credit card. Credit cards can help people to get by during times of financial difficulty, but they can also create unmanageable debt if not used carefully. Now, I'm acutely aware that credit cards can help you earn rewards and benefits. I understand that. Credit cards can kind of get you some free money. Depending on the card, you can can earn cash back points, flyer miles and other perks by making purchases with your card. The use of credit cards being positive or negative depends totally upon the user's self control, self discipline, wisdom and understanding of the power that credit cards have to own us. One major problem with lending institutions and credit card companies is that they make much of their wealth from people with unwise spending habits and those too poor to repay their debt. When God gave his law to the Israelites, he specified that they were not to lend money with interest to their fellow countrymen. If you look at Leviticus chapter 25, verse 26, come on, I want you to go ahead and log these scriptures in. I want you to hold on to them. I want you to look at Leviticus chapter 25, verse 26. This is what it says. It says, do not charge interest or make a profit at his expense. Instead, show your fear of God by letting him live with you as your relative. All right. That was Leviticus. Go to Exodus chapter 22, verse 25. In Exodus chapter 22, verse 25, it says this, If you lend money to any of my people who are in need, do not charge interest as a money lender would. Now, the King James Version calls interest usury. Usury. Usury sounds exactly what it means, exorbitant exorbitant interest rates charged to those who can't afford to pay them. Now, in contrast, in Psalms 15 verse 5 describes the person who dwells in God's presence as someone who, among other things, lend money to those in need without interest. I want you to see what it says in in Psalms 15. It says, those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent, such people will stand firm forever. Hey pastor, what are you trying to get us to see? I'm trying to get you all to see that debt is dangerous. I'm trying to get you all to see that credit is dangerous If it is not handled properly according to the word of God, it's dangerous. There are traps in debt. Um, there, There are traps designed in debt to take away our freedom. I don't care whether it's the debt trap or the credit trap. They are traps that are designed to take away our freedom. Now, I want to identify the signs of falling into the debt trap. I want to identify some signs of falling into the debt trap. Come on, once you get your pens, Come on, let's write these down. The first sign of falling into the debt trap, number one, is living on credit instead of cash. That's the first sign of falling into the debt trap, living on credit instead of cash. If you are dependent on credit to maintain your lifestyle, you're living beyond your means. Please hear me today. If you are depending upon credit and your credit cards to maintain your lifestyle, then you are living beyond your means. You are spending more than you are taking in. In Proverbs chapter three, verses 27 through 28, this is what it says. Don't withhold repayment of your debts. Don't say some other time if you can pay now. We're being advised not to put things that we want on a revolving credit account where you pay for it over time when you can pay for it now. So the writer warns us not to stretch out payments. Don't withhold repayments of your debts, do it now. Hey pastor, how do you know if you're living on credit? Well, it's quite simple. If you're not paying off your balance or balances every month, then you're living on credit. You are living on credit when you have a balance at the end of the month, especially if that balance is getting bigger every month. If you can't pay off the balance of your credit card every month, then you might not ought to be using the credit card. You're living on credit instead of cash when you do that. Hey pastor, What's the problem? What's the problem? Well, allow me to share a couple of problems with this approach of living on credit. All right. Number one is the fact that it reveals a lack of contentment. It reveals a lack of contentment. That's a sign of immaturity. You're saying I have to have it now. I can't wait. Even if I can't afford it, I'll charge it to the future. Because I can't pay for it today. Let me help you all. That is so immature. Maturity is the ability to delay gratification. I'll say it again. Maturity is the ability to delay gratification. It's the ability to put off something until you can't afford it or the time is right. Unfortunately, most of our problems come from our inability to wait or to delay our gratification, whether it's financial, whether it's sexual, or whether it's material. We're impulsive individuals. We want it now. Hebrews chapter 13, verse five. Let's go there. Hebrews 13, verse five tells us this. It tells us, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Charging on credit is an indication that we are not content with what we have. I'm buying things that I can't afford. Here's the second problem with living on credit instead of cash. It presumes on the future. When you purchase with credit, you are presuming that you're going to have the resources to handle the debt. You're presuming that you're not going to fall sick. You're presuming the economy will be fine, that there there will not be a pandemic or that the car will not break down, there'll be no emergencies. You're presuming on the future. And you and I both know that nobody knows the future but God. Nobody could have predicted the shutdown of our economy with COVID-19. Let me show you what Proverbs 27 and 1 says. Proverbs 27 verse 1. It tells us, don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. All I'm trying to get you all to see is we just don't know. So living on credit instead of cash presumes upon the future. The third problem with living on credit instead of cash is you end up spending more, you end up spending more. Studies show that whenever you go into the store with no list, with no budget and with with the intent of purchasing with with credit cards, you're going to purchase on an average 23% more than if you were paying cash for the items. Come here, let me ask you a question. You ever notice it's fun spending money? I mean, it's fun. It does something to us emotionally. It's fun spending money, especially when it's not your money. Spending money is fun, but being in debt puts you in depression. I mean, folk are happy when they're shopping. Credit makes it so easy to purchase things that are not essential to your survival. Living on credit instead of cash is dangerous. It's dangerous, it's dangerous. The second sign of falling into debt, into the debt trap, the second sign of falling into the debt trap is delaying payments or only paying the minimum due. That's what I'm saying you all. First sign is living on credit um, or first sign of, li- of being in debt is living on credit instead of cash. The second sign, though, is delaying payments or only paying the minimum due. Now, this is a sign that you're already in the debt trap. You are in the debt trap when you delay payments or you only pay the minimum due. Bible tells us in Romans chapter 13 verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The only revolving account that you want to have is the revolving account of love where you are continually loving other people. If you are delaying payment or only making the minimum payment, here's some of the red flags for you. Let me just give them to you. Red flag, here's, here it is. Number one, you start missing payments. Number two, payments are being made late. Number three, late charges on the bill. Number four, insufficient funds charged to your bank account. Now, number five is this one, here it is. If you are borrowing in order to keep a debt current, these are red flags that you are already in the debt trap. I hate to be the one to be the bearer of bad news, but you're already in trouble. You're in the debt trap. Now, the first thing to in fact um, understanding where you are uh, getting out of this is uh, uh, acknowledging the fact that you are in a debt trap. You are living above your means. One of the mistakes that we make is driving up our level of debt to the maximum level of our income. In other words, we we ought to live beneath our means. We ought to live beneath our income, which is where you're earning more money than you are spending. That allows you to save money for your financial goals. And it also gives you a cushion in case an emergency arises and you need extra cash. That leads me to my third danger sign of falling into the debt trap. And that is, you're unable to tithe and save. I'm gonna hang my hat here, because I already know, I'm I'm not gonna be able to get through all of this, right? But, But listen, you're falling into a debt trap if you're unable to tithe and save, if you're unable to do it, okay? Number number one was you're falling into a debt trap if you're living on credit instead of cash. Number two, y'all, is that the second problem is that, you know, we presume that we, we gotta understand that delaying payments or only paying the minimum due is gonna be a major issue for us. But then thirdly, danger sign, you're unable to tithe or save. These are two financial disciplines that God commands us to follow two financial disciplines that God commands us to follow. These two financial disciplines develop character, teaches contentment, and they teach us to trust God. Yes. Tithing and savings are the twin pillars of financial freedom. Tithing means a tenth not an eighth, not 5%, but a 10th. Tithe means 10 or 10th. So God helps us. He helps us to know, he helps us to know that the first 10% of what we make belongs to him. Why pastor? Well, let me, let me see. It's obvious that um, um, God doesn't need your money then why pastor our tithing is not for his sake it's for our sake in three ways three ways let me give them to you three ways first to teach us to be grateful for the past that's the first way the second is to teach us to have God as our number one priority in the present the third is to teach us to trust him for the future. He's interested in knowing whether you are grateful for what he has given you. He wants to know if he's really your first priority. Do you trust him to provide for your future? God wants to see where your heart is. In Matthew chapter six, verse 21, Matthew six, verse 21, here's what it tells us for where your treasure is there. Your heart will be also. If you want to know where your heart is, just follow the trail of where you spend the bulk of your money. Now, I already know tithing is hard for many of you. I know that. This was something that you grew up having no clue about. And many of you are saying that you can't afford to give God 10%. Then let me help you. You are in debt and you are living beyond your means. God's not asking us to tithe because he needs our money. God wants to see our devotion to him so that he can demonstrate his ability to take care of us. In Malachi chapter three, verse eight, this is what it says. Will a mere mortal, your version may say, will a man rob God? Yet you robbed me. God, I robbed you, God? Yeah, you robbed me. You asked me, well, how have I robbed you? In tithes and offering. The truth is we wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for God. Come on, y'all, let's, let's talk. Real talk. We wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for God. No job, no home, no house, no clothes. Yet we wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for God. Now, in addition to us tithing, God expects us also to save. He expects us to save. God doesn't want us to spend it all, doesn't want us to spend it all. He wants us to save because we can't predict the future demonstrates discipline, savings. It teaches us to learn to be content rather than trying to keep up with the Joneses. And it's wise to save because you know, these are reasons the Bible give to us to save. About half of the parables that Jesus taught us have to do with money. It is always interesting to me to note that Jesus was always commending the wise investor. Jesus helps us to see that investment is a good thing. Savings is a good thing. And this, by the way, is one of the twin disciplines that the Lord wants you and I to practice so that we don't spend more than we have if you're unable to tithe. If you're unable to save, then you are living above your means. Uh, Allow me to show you biblical instructions on savings before I let you go. Look, Proverbs 21 and 20. Look at Proverbs 21 verse 20. Here's what it says. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. As soon as you get it, you are sending it right back out. If I'm not tithing and I'm not saving, then I'm already in the debt trap. Now, let me encourage you as I close. I want to encourage you to live by the 10-10-80 rule. 10-10-80. The 10-10-80 principle is built on the premise that you ought to be able to live on 80% of your earnings comfortably that 80% should go for housing, food, utilities, clothing, and other necessities. The first 10% goes to God, and the other 10% goes into a savings or investment account for the future. Let me close here. Um, I'll pick up on the fourth danger sign of our falling into the debt trap if the Lord delays this coming and give us the opportunity to come back here on next Wednesday for Wednesday in the Word. Listen, let me thank you all. I do pray that um, what you have received today is practical, biblical information that's helping you to see that debt is dangerous. It's dangerous. And I just want to be certain that you understand that it's dangerous.